Hey, tonight, tonight's going to be a fun night. Um, before we do that, I want to give a few shout outs. First, thank you to this crew, Grace and Levi, for leading us tonight. Um, also, also, uh, Abby Clevenger and Maggie Baker, they, they did the Christmas decorating around here. Um, so could we... And, and, and last, um, I want this to be a, um, a hand clap of appreciation and welcome at the same time. Um, we're going to have some friends preach with me tonight, um, but as we're welcoming them, I want to appreciate their teacher. So if you're a Christchurch teacher, could you just wave your hand really quick? Could you wave your hand if you... Christchurch, could we... Christ, our, our, our children's ministry is... As a pastor, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it. There are particular things in our community that I look at, and it's like, I'm proud of that. And one of those things is our children's ministry. So, teachers, I enjoy you all. Um, I, I appreciate you all. Um, with that in mind, we've got a few guests who are going to be joining me. Children, friends, can we can we come on up? So here's what's going to happen. Um, on Sunday mornings the past two weeks, I think I've said I'm, I'm starting a sermon that I'm finishing tonight. And I thought tonight for the conclusion of the sermon, Mary and I thought, how about we have our children join us up here with us? Um, because what they're doing on Sunday mornings isn't babysitting. Uh, this is a discipleship. And so what they're doing right now, this isn't just a I, It's cute. Look at them. Yay, they're cute. Um, <laughs> But it's not just cute. These children, they're, they're, they're talking about the Jesus that they're learning. Um, so I wanted to give them a chance to join us. So we've got um, 11 uh, children, um, should be 12. I'm going to be child number 12 tonight, who's going to tell the Christmas story. And then after that, I'll talk for a few minutes and we'll be on our way. You all remember those days when I used to preach for like 11 minutes? <laughs> Merry Christmas. It's coming back tonight. <laughs> So I'll start off, and then Locker, you next, man. Here I am, kid number one. This is the story that you've all been waiting for. It's the story that all of creation has been waiting for, for thousands of years, since the very beginning, from the moment that sin first came into the world. The book of John tells us that Jesus was there in the beginning. He was the world. He was with God, and he was God. He he made everything, and without him, there wasn't anything that made that was made. In him was life, and this life was the light of men. The light of the light shines through the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. Thank you. In our lesson on Advent, we learn about John, born to Zachariah and Elizabeth, who were too old to have a baby. They hadn't been able to have a baby before they got so old. God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Zechariah when he was serving alone in the temple of Jerusalem and told him his wife was going to have a baby boy. But even more remarkable than that was the news that his son would be called the prophet of the Most High, 
and that he would go before the Lord and prepare his way. Zachariah's son, whom the angel told him to suppose the name John, wouldn't be the light of the world, but he would bear witness to that light. God also sent Gabriel to a young cousin of Elizabeth's named Mary. Now Mary lived in Nazareth and was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, but she wasn't married yet. Gabriel said to Mary, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, you have found favor with God. You are going to have a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. Can you imagine? Her son was going to be the Messiah, the one that God had promised to David almost a thousand years before. God had said that one of David's descendants would rule on his throne forever and ever. And now this angel was saying to her that her son was going to be the king. Mary said, how will this happen? I'm not even married yet. Mary wasn't even from David's tribe, the tribe of Judah. Joseph was, but she and Joseph weren't married yet. Gabriel said that God would be the one to make it all happen. Her baby wouldn't be Joseph's son, but the son of God himself. Then the angel said, Oh, and by the way, your cousin Elizabeth, the one who couldn't have kids and is now really old, she's six months pregnant. She's doing about 12 weeks, because nothing is impossible to God. Mary just said, I am your servant. Let everything happen to me, just as you said. Then she hurried off to see her cousin, who lived near Jerusalem, almost 100 miles away. The book of Luke tells us when Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, the baby jumped inside her. Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the baby inside you. Why should the mother of my Lord grant me a visit? When I heard your voice just now, the baby inside me jumped for joy, and bless you for believing that the Lord would do what he said he would do. Mary and Elizabeth rejoiced together, talking and being amazed at what was happening to them. They were getting ready for so much more than the birth of their babies. After so long and after all the thousands of years and all those prophecies, the promised Messiah was coming at last, and Elizabeth's baby had already recognized him and testified as a witness that God himself was among us. Mary stayed until time for Elizabeth's baby to be born and then returned home to wait for her baby. But Caesar Augustus ordered a census and everyone had to register to their hometown. Joseph was from Bethlehem, so he and Mary had to go all the way back down to where she had just spent the past three months. Bethlehem is only five through six miles from Jerusalem. That would be almost 225 miles that poor pregnant Mary had traveled. While they were there, the time came for her to have her baby. She gave birth to her son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and put him in a manger, because there wasn't room for them in the crowded inn. The word inn here actually just means guest room, so it may, that, so it may mean that Joseph and Mary were staying with a house full of relatives. Bethlehem was Joseph's hometown, remember? Maybe the only private place enough to give birth was in the garage. We do know that the Lord of all creation was born in a stable and the light of the world was placed in a manger. Yeah. 
That same night, in the hills nearby, some shepherds were watching over their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord lit up the sky all around them. The angel said, Don't be afraid. I have great news for everybody. This very day, in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior has been born, and he is Christ the Lord. Christ just means the Anointed One. That's the Messiah. They knew exactly what the angel was saying, and the angel even told them how to find the baby. And suddenly, the whole sky was filled with the angels praising God and saying, Glory in the highest heavens to God, and peace to those on earth with whom God is pleased. The shepherds, of course, couldn't wait to go see for themselves. The angel had come to them and told them personally. It was practically an invitation. Hadn't he said, You will find the baby. Well, they went and found him just as the angel had said. They, of course, told Joseph and Mary how they knew about their baby. They told them all about what the angel had said, and the sky being filled with heavenly hosts. What a story. What a night. The word who had created the world and the life that filled it, who had become flesh and was living with us, he had come to make a way for us to live with him forever. The world will never be the same. Hey, can we give it up for our friends one more time? You all can go sit down now. <laughs> I probably won't. All right, God bless. Have a Merry Christmas. See you all next week. Um, oh, man, that was great. Um, really, I really appreciate what God's doing in our kids and what he's doing with our children's ministry. Um, I don't know if you all noticed, but they quoted about 25 scriptures um, in what they were doing. And I just want to add one more to that mix um, to finish off this three-week series Second uh, Corinthians chapter one, verse 20. Don't get jealous. I'm going to quote this out of memory. Um, uh, for all of God's promises are yes in him. That's Jesus. That is why through him, Jesus, we utter our amen to the glory of God. Um, for all of God's promises are yes in Jesus. That is why through Jesus, we utter our amen to the glory of God. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a smooth preacher I like every time after he read the scriptures, he'd say, uh, may God be glorified. May the saints be uh, edified. May sinners be justified. And my favorite part, he'd say, and may the devil be petrified. (laughs) I I, I love it. Um, the question we've been asking, the question we've been asking is, uh, what did Jesus do when he did what our kids just told us about? Um, we know God became flesh and was born as a baby. Um, that's what he did. But the question we've been asking is, what did he do when he did all that? Um, I won't keep you long, but what I want to do is I want to let um, my Christmas story uh, be your sermonic illustration of the truth that I'm going to end up preaching. Sound good? So I'm going to tell you my story, but I'm going to interweave that with uh, this truth of what Jesus did when he did what he did. Um, so 2003. Um, West Virginia. I wasn't born, but I was partially raised there. 
Um, on the playground there is where I spent most of my days. Um, I was chilling out, maxing and relaxing all cool, and I, I usually shot b-ball outside of my school. Um, then one day I decided, I don't want to play on the playground no more. I, I decided, I want to shoot threes while sitting down at home. I decided I wanted to throw a football while sitting down at home. Better yet, I want to get in a go-kart, race people, and throw bananas at them while sitting at home. Uh, I wanted to do more than I'd physically been able to do while doing less than I'd physically done at home. I, in 2003, as a fourth grader, I, I wanted it. I wanted to play video games. Uh, luckily, this was like November, so the Nintendo GameCube, I think it just come out, or I just heard about it. So you know the number one thing that was on my list, Christmas of 2003? Nintendo GameCube. All I wanted for Christmas in 2003 was a Nintendo GameCube. A question I have tonight is I'm wondering, what are you wanting this Christmas? I mean, like, what are you really wanting this Christmas? Not like the shallow thing, what are, what are you really wanting this Christmas? Are you wanting a sense of connection and belonging this Christmas? Are, 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 you, are you wanting a future that's not determined by the failures and mistakes and wrongs of your past this Christmas? Are you wanting hope this Christmas? Are you wanting peace this Christmas? Are you wanting healing and wholeness this Christmas? What are you wanting this Christmas? So, so I put that thing on my Christmas list, right? And I, I barged, I uh, barged into my mom's room and I said, I called her by her first name. That's how serious I was. I was like, Siobhan, I want a GameCube for Christmas this year. Um, and in God's mercy, she didn't slap me. Um, and to the glory of God, she said, cool, here, yeah, you'll have your GameCube. Uh, I, I desperately wanted that GameCube and my mother committed to get me that GameCube. My mother gave me what I wanted. She, she promised to give me what I wanted. I don't know what you're wanting this Christmas, but I'm going to quote um, David Garland, a theologian, when I say this, for every meaningful human promise, for every meaningful human longing, God has a promise. God has a promise that meets every meaningful human longing, not the shallow stuff, not the get rich quick schemes, but every meaningful human longing. God has a promise that meets it. The the longing for connection, the longing for wholeness, the longing for healing, the longness for newness, God's got a promise for that. Uh, I'm going to quote Tim Keller now when I'll say this. God, he addresses every human issue or longing, but just in his own way. So, So I know you've got longings. I know you've got deep desires. I know there are things you desperately want. And here it is, friend. Here's the good news. God's got a promise for that. And God's committed to doing something to meet that need just not how you think it might be. God's got a promise for it, but he meets it how he wants to meet it. Here's what God's promises are. God's promises are his commitments. They're his pledges. They're his purposes. They're, they're God saying, this is what I'm committed to do. I read one guy this week who said there are at least 3,500 promises that God makes in the scripture to us. I met, I read another guy who said there are about 7,500 promises in scripture that God makes to us. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers, he splits the difference and he says, God's promises to us are infinite. He's got an infinite amount of promises he wants to do to, for, he, that he makes to you. 
But, but all of those promises are founded on one major, one main promise that God gave to a man named Abraham and his family. Summary, here's the problem. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. We'll live together forever. God's big promise, God's main promise is, 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 is somewhat of a divine marriage relationship with humanity. He says, I'll give you myself with all that I am and all that I have. You give me all that you are and all that you have, and we'll live together happily ever after. And within that main promise, God promises a whole lot of other things as a part of that. He says, as I'm yours and you're mine, I promise you peace. As I'm yours and you're mine, I'll promise you wholeness. As I'm yours and you're mine, I'll promise you healing. God, God's got a lot of promises. And Paul says, all of the promises of God are yes. Meaning all of God's promises are certain. All of God's promises are definite. All of God's promises are sure. Can I teach y'all some slang? I'm not going to do this often. Um, can I teach y'all some slang? Um, um, where I'm from, instead of saying it's true or instead of saying um, I'm serious, or, um, we'd say a phrase, some of y'all, some of y'all high schoolers, y'all are going to get this, we'd say no cap. So, so, so when I'm saying I'm not lying, I'm saying no cap. Pa- Paul, if we could modernize this text, Paul would say all of God's promises are no cap. God's promised you himself, no cap. God's promised you peace, no cap. God's promised you wholeness, no lie. God's promised you restoration, no lie. God's promised you justice, no lie. God's got promises for every meaningful longing. And they're certain. So, so here's the obvious question. Where do we find these promises? Where, let, let's go on a journey. Let's go on a journey to look for the promises. Um, um, it, it was the night before Christmas, um, and all around the house, not, not a thing was stirring, not even a mouse, uh, but Jerome was. Uh, I was on like hour seven of my of my Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, all nighter, just waiting for the slightest sound of my mother to roll over so I could run to that Christmas tree. And it couldn't have been earlier than about 437 that I think I heard her breathe loudly. And so I was like, she's awake. I run to the uh, living room and I'm waiting on her for what seems to be a short amount of eternity. Uh, she comes about five hours later and I'm like, mom, I don't care about breakfast. I don't care about good mornings. I was in the fourth grade, so I was like, I ain't even worried about Jesus right now. I-, I need to get and see these gifts to get my GameCube. So she was like, here, go get your GameCube. So I rip into the first box that has my name on it, and it's Corduroy's. Um, I- <laughs> Some of y'all born in the 90s know what I'm talking about. Uh, I rip into the second box, and it's overalls. Rip into the third box, and it's a football. I'll I pull out another box, and that box don't got my name on it. The boxes with my name on it have run out. And so I look at my mom and I'm like, was that it? And she said, oh, yeah, there's one more. So she goes to her room and I'm thinking, this is my GameCube. She, she goes to her room. She pulls out another box. She hands me the box. I rip into it and the Nintendo GameCube controller. <laughs> A Nintendo GameCube controller fell out of that box. Nothing else. So, so I look over at my mother in my distress and she's laughing at me. She's dying. And I knew that this was the first time I learned that spirits other than the Holy Spirit work in us because for the first time I was tempted to curse at my mother on Christmas morning. But I didn't. I'm a pastor. Um, 
So, so after I get done, after I get done crying, my mother says, Hey, I need you to go to your aunt's house. Uh, she lived next door and go get something for me. So I storm out of the house, barge out, barge into my aunt's room, into my aunt's house. I'll turn into the living room and behold, it was a GameCube for me. It was in my aunt's house and in her living room, staring at that GameCube. I yelled, my mom actually did it. She did what she promised. It was in my aunt's house that I that I found the GameCube and I yelled, she did it. What, what Paul's telling us when he says we utter our amen through Jesus, he's saying Jesus is the place, better yet the person, where we find the fulfillment of God's promises and we say amen, it's true, he did it. And it's when we go to Jesus, we say God did what he said he'd do. When we go to Jesus, we say, we say God gave us what he said he'd give us, Jesus is where we find all the promises of God. Can I give you a quick Christology lesson on Christmas morning? In his divinity, in his uh, humanity, Jesus is the securer, securer of the promise who shares his stuff with us. So you know the Christmas song, you better not pout, you better not cry, shout, you better not cry, I'm telling you why, why? Santa Claus is coming to town. The, the inference of that song is Santa has conditions on giving you the gifts. It's only when you meet Santa's conditions, be nice, that he gives you the gifts. That, that's the moralistic message of Christmas. Can I give you the Christian message of Christmas? Jesus met the condition and shared the gifts with us. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you read through the Old Testament, God's got a lot of conditions on, what, on his commitments. Uh, if, then, if you will, then I will. If you do, then I do. Newsflash, PSA, God's conditions are a lot greater than Santa's conditions. Santa says you got to be nice. God said you need to be perfect. But the Christmas message is that baby in a manger grew to be a man, met all of God's conditions, received all of the blessings, and turned to you and me and said, here. In his humanity, he's the secure of the of the promises and shares them with us but also in his divinity he himself is the promise who shares himself with us god's promise is life with him god's promise is to give us himself do you know what jesus's name was emmanuel god with us coming to give himself to us jesus is the gamecube under the tree jesus is the gift under the box jesus himself is the promise. So here's my message on Christmas. That baby was born to become and give you everything you ever wanted, friends. Everything you ever wanted. You, you want peace? Ephesians says Jesus himself is our peace. You, you need healing? Matthew says Jesus heals every sickness. You, you want connection and intimacy? Hebrew says Jesus is our brother. You need guidance. Uh, Hebrew says, or Corinthians says, Jesus is our wisdom. There's a song I love. It says, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. It says, no one is like Jesus. He's, he's grace for the guilty and help for the needy. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Is that Jesus is strength for the weary, hope for the grieving. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Is that Jesus is a healer of sickness, a fountain of goodness. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. They said, Jesus, he's a, he's, he's a faithful uh, provider. He's a gracious redeemer. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. 
So, so here's my prayer for us, friends. Here's my prayer for us. That we just fix our eyes on Christ during this Christmas season. Because he's the only thing that can satisfy you. I know there's a whole lot of things that we've got on the forefront of our minds. I just need to get this perfect family situation. I just need to get this person this gift that'll make them happy. I just need to get the thing that'll make me happy. I just need to be around a bunch of people. Those things are great, but only Jesus will satisfy you. Some of us haven't known the satisfaction of Jesus. Some of us haven't known Jesus as our everything. My prayer for you is that you, you receive him tonight. It's not going to be in the next person. It's not going to be in that thing you bought yourself this year. It's not going to be in your resolutions for the new year. You want to know how I know? Because it didn't work the last time. But there's a room full of people here who can testify and say, Jesus never failed me. Jesus was everything I ever wanted. Jesus has never left me dry. What, what did he do when he did what he did? He, he became and gave you everything you ever needed. Can I, can I pray for you? Lord, we thank you for being all that, all that we need. Thank you for being all that we're, we're longing for. Thank you for being all that we're desiring. Thank you for, for giving yourself to us. Uh, for those of us in the room who haven't received you, you know who they are. You know who needs you. And you're pursuing them. So I ask that you open their eyes tonight. I ask that you show them the beauty that you are. Show them the, the glory that you are. Show them the treasure that you are. And bring them into life with you. We love you, Lord. Amen.